0: to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. Father, I thank you today for the spirit of revelation and insight. I'm asking that every heart, from the youngest here to the oldest, would be opened to the voice of the Holy Spirit, that you would cause us to see with eyes of faith We we would see like Abraham saw, that he was able to see what others couldn't see. And I'm praying, Lord, that you would show us and give us insight into the true realm of the kingdom of heaven, but also to be able to understand and perceive the systems of this world. And Father, your word declares that we are in this world, but not of this world. And so I'm asking today, Father, that you would unhook us today, break every attachment to the system of this world. Every reliance upon, every control uh, that, that has connected us to the system of this world. I'm asking, Father, today that by the power of the Holy Ghost that you would set us free from the system of this world and that you would reconnect us to a supernatural system called the kingdom of God. I'm asking, Lord, in this hour that you would connect people to the system, Lord, that is above every system, Lord, that when the shakings come that will come upon this planet, Lord, that we would have found ourselves hidden in Christ in a system that is above the system of this world, Lord God, that we would be the hope to this world. We would be an answer to this world. So, Father, let every heart connect in now with what you're about to say in Jesus name amen I've said before that the devil he has locked mankind into a fallen system and he has a system which is essentially the expression of the dark nature the hideous nature that is himself and what he does through the fall he now controls mankind those that aren't born again and like a, like a puppeteer He begins to pull the strings of mankind because he has no authority on earth itself. His authority is is through the means of mankind. So he stands behind the scenes in darkness, in veiled darkness, and he pulls the strings of this world and he has created a system that we're going to find out in Scripture where he begins to manipulate the course of this world, the people of this world, and they begin to Play along with the dance that he has set for this world. That's what the Bible teaches. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. I've got a number of scriptures that I'm going to unpack to you today. A man that superseded the system of this world. Are you ready? 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. It says... Whose minds, the God of this age... If you've got a Bible, you can underline that word age. The word age means... The actual Greek word is aeon. There's three words that are very similar or have a similar context. There is the age of this world. There is the world, which is cosmos. And then there is another word called the earth. And they are three distinct things, but in the sense connected. It says, "The minds whose minds, the God of this age... And the word age means the thoughts, the opinions, the speculations, the aspirations, the impulses in this world. In other words, when we talk about the age, it's the spirit of this age. It is actually the mindset and the heart of the enemy, whose minds, it says, the God of this age or the God of the, the spirit of this age has blinded. So there is an enemy that has blinded mankind. And the spirit of this age, which is the heart of the enemy, prevails across the world today. So there is a spirit of this age. We see it every day. You turn the TV on, you see it. It comes out, the spirit of this age. Ephesians 2 verse 2 says, In which you used to live when you followed the ways or the aeon or the spirit of this age of this world. So we see we follow the ways of this world or the aeon of the cosmos. The spirit of this age has affected the world or the cosmos. And the word cosmos is the structure or the government of this world. So here we have the spirit of this age controlling the function or the cosmos. The government of this world, so the structures that you find yourself in, the mindsets are controlled by the enemy. The way people think, the way they choose, the way they work, the way they save, the way they prosper, the way they get ahead. It's all controlled by the spirit of this age. And this spirit of the age has has like put a lining over the cosmos, the world. Not the earth, the world. John 8.23, it says... Jesus said, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world and I am not of this world. The great news today is that we are not of this cosmos. We are not of this world. We are not in the structure or the system of this world. Hello? John 18, 36, Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. Are you hearing me? He's actually taken us out of this world. The spirit of the age has, is governing the world structure, the way people get ahead, the thought patterns. But Jesus says, my kingdom is nothing like this world. You are not of this world today. Did you hear me? Yeah. John seventeen fourteen says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of this world. The world doesn't get you. Don't try and, and make, get the world to understand why you give, why you tithe, why you love, why you forgive, why you're merciful. Because Jesus says the world, the system will hate you. You are up against a system. I'm not talking about people, but the spirit of this age and the system that, that is expressed through, the, the, the spirit of this age expresses itself through, it is opposed to everything that's within you. Jesus said in John 17, 16, They are not of the world, just as I am not of this world. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world. Don't be squeezed by its mold, but be renewed by the the renewing of your mind that you may prove. And we've talked about the good, the perfect, the acceptable, the perfect will of God. So we see right through scripture, Jesus is saying, Yes, there is a spirit of this age. Yes, there is a structure in this world. But guess what? My church is not of this world. We do not function like the rest of the world functions. And that in itself is a great revelation to the body of Christ. Because I keep seeing the body of Christ reacting to the systems of this world, to the mindsets of this world, to the hashtags of this world. We keep being manipulated and controlled and jumping on ideas and man-made philosophies but the Bible says we are not of this world. We function at a highly, uh, totally different mindset, a higher way of living. 1 John 2 verse 15 says, Do not love the world or the things of this world. Am I giving you enough scripture to prove my point? If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. He, he, goes, he says, All in the world, the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not of the Father. But it's of the world, and the world is passing away. What you see today, it's falling, it's breaking. The the earth is in groans and pains, and, and and the church, by and large, is trying to hook up with a fallen system. And Jesus is saying, this world is passing away. But whoever does the will of God will abide forever. I'm here today to lift you up to a greater system. Because I'm going to show you and tell you later on that this world is about to go through a major shaking. And my job as your leader is to get you to hook up to a system that can work in any environment. Because if you don't, when we go through the shakings, you will be just like everyone else. You will be a saved believer who has hooked up to a fallen system. And when the shakings come, you'll go down with the boat. You'll go to heaven, but you'll be no answer to the world. You haven't learned to get check out of that system and hook up to the system of the kingdom. It's a higher system. It's a system that sees by faith. It's a system that sees beyond what everyone else sees. Make no mistake today, the earth is still the Lord's. We've talked about the world. We've talked about the spirit of this age. But I'm here to remind you that God still considers that this earth, not the world, not the spirit of this age, but the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. 1 Corinthians 10.26 says that. And, I, and Jesus said in Matthew 6.10, Your kingdom come, your will be done on, yeah. where? on earth as it is in heaven. Not in the world. See, some of us are trying to squeeze the kingdom into the world. The kingdom and the world don't fit. They will never fit. We are not of this world. You can't succeed in the kingdom using worldly methods. You are not of this world. My kingdom come. My will be done on earth. See, the kingdom comes to change the earth. It is against the world but for the earth. Uh, Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Colossians 1, 13 says, The Father has delivered us and drawn us to himself out of the control and the domain of darkness and has transferred us into his kingdom. So we are now out of the domain of darkness, out of the system of this world, and we've been translated into a new kingdom. It's a new way of doing things. So the quest for us is to discover how the kingdom operates and to unhook from the system of this world. There are two aspects of the gospel. The gospel of salvation delivers us from sin and the gospel of the kingdom unhooks us from the world system. All believers have been delivered from sin but most believers haven't been unhooked ...from the system of this world. And if you don't have knowledge of the kingdom... ...you can't come out of the world system. If you don't know how the kingdom operates... ...you'll be forever slaves of the world system. Grace and peace is multiplied to you... ...through the knowledge of God. And I've told you before, the sons of this world... They are more shrewd than the sons of the kingdom. They know how to operate their system. They've got it down pat. They know that if you steal, kill, and and save, and work, and stress, that you can get ahead in the world system. There's examples of that that we bow down to. And they're shrewd. They know their system. But the tragedy is that most of the church, and it's changing, but most of the church has no idea how the kingdom of God operates. They know how to get born again, but they don't know how to succeed in the kingdom. And that is about to change. Amen? And while the kingdom of God sits idle inside you, you've got a hundredfold system that's not operating. James puts it like this it's a double minded man. There's one foot in the world system and one foot in the kingdom of God. And we've got, you know, we're sitting on a barbed wire fence. Jesus is like this. He says, The lamp of the body is is the eye, but if the eye is single... The whole body is full of light. And the challenge for you today is to come on over to the kingdom of God, to leave behind the system of this world, the saturation. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a party pooper. But, well, maybe I am. But if you, if you fill your mind constantly with the system of this world, with the mindset of this world, you will be a double-minded man, unstable in your way. Your eye will not be single. And God is calling his church. He's going... If I could whistle, I'd whistle. He's calling us over, saying, come on over to my kingdom. Don't just come part. Don't be double-minded, but embrace the kingdom of God. Unhook yourself from the system of this world. Amen? And I'm going to show you a man that did this. Turn with me now to Genesis 26. I'm going to show you a man that, that thrived in the midst of a broken world system. Who wants to do that today? You know, when marriages are going AWOL, when life is full of tragedy, when people are getting uh, stressed out from money, I want to be unhooked from the world system. I want to be a light on a hill. I want people to say, like the Philistines said to Isaac, we're envious of you. We know that God is with you. Don't leave us. You need to stay with us because we know there's something different about you. You see, you'll never be a light on a hill while you're hooked to the system of this world. You're just a flat torch. A form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Genesis 26. Now there was a famine in the land. The world system is falling apart. This could be a picture of Greece today, or Ukraine, Australia, America. There's a famine in the land, besides the first famine. And Isaac went to Abimelech, and his name is, my father is king. And he's a picture of the world, reason and the five senses. And that's what's king, even in the body of Christ today. Reason, five senses. Logic over spirit. So there's a famine in the land, the systems are breaking down, breaking down and Isaac is in a place where sense knowledge reigns supreme. And God comes to so Isaac, and he says, don't go down to Egypt. Don't go down to a broken system. I'm going to show you how to prosper. I'm going to show you how to live in the midst of a system that is broken and perishing. And you are going to be a light. You are going to be the savior of this place. Isn't that exciting? Verse 12. It says, and Isaac sowed in that land. What land? A land that was broken, full of famine, a broken system, pain. He sowed in that very land, and he reaped in the same year, how much? A hundredfold. I don't know about you, but that scripture has had me thinking and thinking for years. How did he do it? What did he do? What was going on? How could a man prosper when everyone was going down to Egypt and bringing their food back? How did that man take seeds and put them in a dry dust bowl when there's famine, and he began to watch his seeds come up? There's no water. There's no rain. What did he do? How did this man hook into a superior system? There is the broken system and there is a kingdom system. There is a system that says you live by your pay packet. That will define how much you have. There's a system that says that when you're sick, you've got to go to doctors. There's a system that says all these sorts of things. But Isaac is in the middle of a broken system and he is prospering. Does that not cause you to ask questions? How could a man take a seed, take seeds, plant them in the ground, and not just get a seed to come up, but a bountiful harvest, a hundredfold? Would you like to know how to to operate in the kingdom of God amongst a broken system. See, the the world's saying things are looking bad. We're about to have a crash. The economy's about to go AWOL. The dollar's going to go down. All these things are going to happen. There's fear. There's pessimism as they look into the future. But the children of God have this knowing that they are in a kingdom that has already been shaken, and now they're unshakable. They can prosper in any circumstance, in any situation. I don't know about you, but I've already got this. I've got the kingdom within me. I've got solutions. I know the way forward and I want you to know the way forward. Don't say, well, that's cocky, Andrew. I would say to you, you don't want to follow a leader that doesn't know what they're doing. He sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. Oh, my. Could you imagine that? We put in dollar terms because everyone likes money. Imagine sowing a hundred thousand dollars and reaping ten million. That's not a bad return. We get three percent at the moment in the bank, thereabouts. But what bank offers a hundredfold in a year? Who would put money in a bank like that? Guaranteed return. And the man began, began to prosper and he continued to prosper until he became very prosperous, so much so that the Philistines in the world system began to envy him. There's a point. When has the church, the kingdom of God, ever been the envy of the world? The moment we put our head up, boom. The moment one Christian gets gets any money, they whack us on the head. Any profile, any media, boom. But here we have a system where it is supreme, where it's obvious that God is at work. And I'm here to tell you that if you hook into the system of God, there will come a day where the world shall envy you. Whether it be your money, your finances, your marriage, whatever it be, there will come a day where the world will envy you. So the Philistines, in verse 15, stopped up the wells which his father's servants had dug. They filled them with the earth. They were afraid of Isaac because he was prospering. So they began to fill his wells up. And there was all this contention in verse uh, chapter 26 over the wells of Isaac. And in verse 23, it says, Finally Isaac came to Bathsheba, and the Lord appeared to him on the same night and said, I'm the God of your father Abraham. Don't fear Isaac, I am with you. I'm going to bless you and multiply your descendants for your servants, Abraham's sake. And look at this. And so Isaac built an altar. There he called on the name of the Lord and he pitched his tent there and Isaac's servants dug a well. There is a verse where the kingdom of God is in full view in the Old Testament. It gives us a solution of how to unhook from the world system. It shows me here how Isaac was able to reap a hundredfold in a land of famine. It's the prototype of the kingdom, all there in that verse. He built an altar, he pitched his tent, and they dug a well. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And there are three things that every kingdom person does, and I'll explain this as we go. But we build altars, we dig wells, and we pitch tents. Don't miss this because this is profound. It's a picture of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Abraham is the father of all. Romans uh, chapter 4 says that. Isaac is the son of promise. Jacob is a picture of the Holy Spirit. He's a supplanter. He will take the place of another. He's the Holy Spirit. And we see these three functions happening. The priestly, the prophetic, and the kingly anointing. These three anointings are upon the church to unhook us from a world system and connect us to the kingdom. Abraham. He's a. Builder of altars. And that set Isaac up. To unhook from the world system. You know the altar. When I think about it. it it's a picture of worship and sacrifice. It's a picture of doing a journey with God. And four times it says. That Abraham built an altar to the Lord. You know. You um, as I look at my life, there are key moments where it's been like I've come to a, a fork in the road and there's been a decision that I had to make whether I would allow God to be the Lord of my life. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Abraham went through a series of events where he had opportunity to go his own way, but he kept building altars of worship and sacrifice to the Lord. This is what I've discovered, that God reveals his secrets to his friends. There are things that you will only get from God if you're able to bear the weight or the responsibility that comes with it. Now, it's not that God doesn't love every believer, but it's as though we do a journey with God and we build altars along the way. Where there's a cost and a sacrifice, and I don't mean like we're trying to buy God's favour, but there's a sacrifice from decoupling from the world. You know, maybe as a young kid, you were offered premarital sex or the opportunity to take drugs or, or to steal, and, and, and I know there have been significant moments when I've had no money and I, I needed a job, and I think it was the first night... Um, a man came in, uh, he was so sort of semi-paraplegic. He, he came in and he was all in a mess and he bought his petrol and he grabbed a hold of a porno and he put it on the bench and I had to sell it to him. And I, c- I thought, I can't do this anymore. I cannot give a man a porno. I cannot sell him something that's going to destroy him. So I quit my job. That day. And I had no money. Now, it's only a little thing. But they are altars that we build to the Lord along the way of integrity, of aligning our hearts with the purpose of God and his love for humanity. And they are markers. They are, I'm trying to get you to see that to unhook from the world system, there are distinct markers. And some of you have even made that choice this year or in the last year where you've chosen the Lord You've built an altar to the Lord, and it's being costly. That's the first step from decoupling from this world. You are not of this world. That's why the world hates you. It doesn't understand you. For some of you, that's the first step. You are approaching that step today. And God's saying, I want lordship over your life. I want to be your friend. You want to hear the secrets? You want me to to unveil what it means to be part of the kingdom? I need your heart. See, the Lord reveals his secrets to his friends. But I want to major on the well today, because just a little bit about the altar. And I realize there's lots that we could talk about today, but I want to help you unhook from the world system. Isaac, he's known for digging wells five times. It says he dug a well. He's a well digger. I thought about this. This is profound, because this gives us insight into how he was able to grow a harvest in the middle of a famine. And it's not what you think. Wells are positioned under the earth. There are three kingdom dimensions. The altar is between heaven and earth. It's our relationship with God. It's, it's this communion that we have. Tents are, are our domain on the earth and wells are positioned under the earth. Yes? It's a picture. The well is a picture of the hidden Mysteries of the kingdom, the deep things of God. Isaac dug beyond the surface and he found a new realm, a realm that had never been there before. Before that well was dug, it was just earth. But he digs this well and he digs into a whole deep dimension of the things of God. This well is the mysteries of the kingdom. He created a world within a world, a system within a system. He brought space where there was no space. The Bible says that we are in the world, but not of the world. Did you see that? That's what a well is. It's inside the world, but the moment you dig a hole, it's no longer of the world. There is no earth in there. It's a space. And this is what happens when God's people come in on the scene And they carry this kingdom within them. You have a well inside you. It's this kingdom. It makes a space in the system of this world. It pushes back. Are you hearing me? The Philistines hated this and the enemy hates it. When you begin to make space, when you begin to discover hidden mysteries, revelation of the kingdom, he hates that with a passion. He wants to fill your well. He wants you operating out of your five senses. And the moment any of you begin to give in faith or step out in faith, you begin to see in the spirit. He wants to shut that down. He is threatened by well. He hates wells. Why is there so much warfare over the well? As you read Genesis 26, there's contention. And some of you have been praying in the spirit. you begin to have visions and dreams and all hell breaks loose. There's a war over your well. Why? Because it's the well that's going to bring you a harvest. He sowed in the land of famine and he reaps a hundredfold. I'm sorry, I just get so excited about that. So I said, what does it mean, Lord? Give me hidden secrets into this. Show me what's going on behind. I don't want to just read the obvious, but what, what, what's going on there, Lord? What's the mystical dimension? of? Because I know there's something mystical about this chapter. Do you see that? It's not normal to reap a hundredfold in a famine. It's not normal to succeed and have a mansion... In cheap side, it's not normal to grow up in a family of poverty and no education and no success and rise to the top. He sowed in the land of famine. This word sow is the Hebrew word zarah. It's made up of three Hebrew letters. Zayin, Z-A-Y-I-N. So zarah is the Hebrew word for sow. Isaac sowed. Isaac zarah. And so we have Zayin is the first Hebrew letter, and it means the number seven. It's connected with the Sabbath rest. When I think of rest, I think of Isaiah twenty-eight eleven. He says, he talks about praying in the spirit. This is the rest and the refreshing. Doesn't he say that, Isaiah? Yes? Yes? He says, with stammering lips and another tongue. I will speak to these people. He said, this is the rest and the refreshing. This zayin is the number seven. It's, it's, it's the, it has a numerical value of seven, which is a Sabbath rest. Uh, and it's also a picture of a weapon or the weapon of the spirit. So when you sow, the first letter is the weapon of the spirit or the rest of the spirit. Re'esh is a picture of man or the man's head or that which is the most important. And A means to see and experience, perception and insight. So when we put that together, this is what it means. When our highest thoughts, the most important thing, comes out of living in the rest and wielding our spiritual weapons, we will see and experience life at a higher realm. When our highest thoughts, our highest goal, when our thinking, when the we make it the most important thing to live out of the rest of the Spirit, we will begin to see and experience what no one else does. I thought, well, that's important. But the word A gives us more insight into this, what's going on when he sowed. So, so what it means, Isaac, because he lived in the rest, we know he was a man of the Spirit. We see that in his story. He was able to, and he made it his priority, he was able to see what no one else could. They're all going to Egypt. They're all retreating. But Isaac's seeing what no one else can see. Let me tell you, history is littered with examples of men and women that have been successful when they've gone that way and the world's gone that way. I never follow or try never to follow the crowd because they're most times wrong. Isaac could see what no one else could see. This word Ain, it means more than just the eye, but it also actually means the provision of the Lord. When you make the highest priority to live in the spirit, you will receive the provision of the Lord. Psalm thirty-three seventeen 17 says, a horse is vain thing for safety. It won't deliver you by its strength. In other words, the world system ain't going to work. But the eye of the Lord is upon those that fear him, or the alien of the Lord, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in when? To keep them alive in famine. Did you hear that? The eye of the Lord delivers their soul from death and keeps them alive. That word is to flourish in times of famine. So when we make it our highest priority to live in the Spirit We're going to get perception that causes us to flourish in a time of famine. How did Isaac know that? Because he he and Abraham walked up to the mountain of the Lord. And it said they went on a three-day journey. And Abraham stopped. And he looked in the spirit and he saw the place that he should sacrifice his son. He went how many days? Three. Three in the Hebrew language or Hebrew letters is the number which is the number of the camel. You can look this up. And the camel is a picture of provision, of lifting up, of redeeming. So he stops after three days and he gets a picture of the Redeemer, one that would come and lift up mankind. Jesus said in John 8, he said, Abraham saw my day and he rejoiced. So Abraham stood after three days. He saw where Isaac would be offered as a type, but he saw beyond that. He saw Jesus there because he said, before Abraham was, I am. He saw Jesus on the mountain with him and he saw through that to the day where Jesus would be crucified. That's why he said, we're going to go up and then we're going to come back because he saw in the spirit. And when you can see beyond the natural into the realm of the spirit, you see things to come, you have a confidence that you'll come You'll go and you'll come, that God will make a way. He shall be your provision. And he says, I'm going to see that who is called Jehovah Jireh. That word Jireh is the many breasted one. You may not have heard that, uh, that, that terminology. You think, oh, that's a strange one. But think about it. It is the nature of a baby when it's born to suckle on its mother. God is going to be your provision. He will be your need when you're crying out. When you come out into this strange world and you need provision, you are going to suckle on the provision of the Lord and it shall sustain you. And that's what he saw in the spirit. This word a is provision, but do you know what else? In Genesis 16 7 and Exodus 15 27, this word a means a water well. So when you make it your priority to live in the spirit, not only will you get spiritual sight and provision, but you will become a water well. Yeah. I just found out how, I, how Isaac grew his seeds. The Philistines had blocked up all the wells. Where was he getting his water from? Where was he getting his water from? He became a well. Jesus said, there's going to be a well in you. It will spring up to everlasting water. He planted the seed and he became the well. There was a supernatural transaction between him and the seed. And the seed began to grow by itself. I, I believe that as he began to lay hands and pray over his seeds, there was a transference from him to the seed and the sustenance to grow. Didn't Jesus say the kingdom of God is within you? Yeah. Didn't he say that you will become that well? Didn't he say that? Didn't he say that? See, the problem is the world thinks the answers come from the outside in. That The kingdom of God is everything I need is within me. Yeah. All the creativity All the opportunities, all the insight, all the decisions, they are inside me. I am a living well. See, if you are a living well, you can go in any situation, any circumstance, and you will succeed. Whoever owned the well owned the land. When you discover that the kingdom of God is in you, that you are a well, that you are a source. See, there are too many Christians that you are looking outside yourself for the answer. You will never have to go to another source again for your provision. The government's not your source. Centrelink's not your source. Welfare's not your source. The kingdom of God. And I'm not saying if you're on welfare, get off today. What I am saying is it's time to begin to build within you a revelation of the kingdom of God inside you. You may, may be on welfare today, but if you get a revelation of the kingdom of God, I'm saying to you, it won't take much time and you'll be off that welfare. See, the reason you're not rejoicing, some of you, is because you're hooked to the world system. You say, oh, that's all right for him to say. That's impossible. See, that's because you're so deceived by the world system, you can't see another way. And I'm here to say there is a well. See, before this well, there was just earth if we looked around, there was nothing. All we knew was earth. But somebody had a revelation that if we dig down in this earth and discover the hidden mysteries, we can find a source that is beyond the circumstances of the rain. We can find an everlasting well that will rain every single day. And I'm here to say your, your success is not on the, on the good decisions of the government. It's on the kingdom of God that is within you. The kingdom of God must be preached. And I don't mean to scare you today. But there is coming, and I've seen it. You don't have to believe it, but you wait. There is coming a shaking, an economic shaking that is going to disturb the world systems. You know, I don't want to hear... Well, you know what? One of the ways that the kingdom of God will advance is by a shaking. Because if it doesn't shake, then everything will remain as it is. Yeah. And the earth is in turmoil. It's groaning. And one of the ways God answers the groan is to turn the world upside down. Yeah. And you better be on the right side. You're either in the kingdom or you hook hooked to the system. You're a believer. God loves you. God will be your loving father. But you hook up to the world system and you will get the results of the world system. But there's a living well inside you that you can discover. You can say, Holy Spirit, teach me, teach me, teach me. I'm going to make it my highest priority to live in the Spirit. I'm going to unhook. I'm going to turn that off. Stop doing that. Stop getting that influence. Speak to me, Holy Spirit. Show me things to come. I want to know your way of doing things. Teach me about the power of sowing and reaping, about loving, forgiving. Teach me what the kingdom looks like. What, is it, what does it mean for your kingdom to come on earth? As it is in heaven. What does it look like? And you're going to need revelation to receive provision from God. I'm not trying to be scary now. But I'm just saying there's going to be shakings. And some Christians are going to make decisions based on worldly wisdom. The well has been filled up by the Philistines. Reason. Abimelech. My father is king. Reason is king. And they're going to go through pain. Unnecessary. There won't be the hope to the world. An altar, a well, and a tent. Relationship, heaven and earth, underneath the earth, and upon the earth. Jacob is a picture of the apostolic, 12 sons. He's a prince with God. His name was turned to Israel. He's a tent maker. Isn't it interesting that Paul was a tent maker too? He's apostolic. He's also a picture of the spirit, a supplanter, one who takes the place of another says of Jacob that kings will come from your body in Genesis 35:11. He's a picture of the kingdom. See, Isaac discovers the secrets of the kingdom and how to sustain the kingdom. Jacob takes that and he begins to bring the kingdom on earth. He begins to plant tents on the earth. He begins to take control, bring the domain of the kingdom. Now that's not to boss people around, but that's to bring the kingdom on earth. The expression, the physical expression of the kingdom. This is the spiritual expression. Jacob is the physical demonstration of the goodness of God on the earth. That's what the Babes Project does. It's a tent on the earth. It's saying this is God's way of taking care of people. There is an alternative called the kingdom. I had a dream. This week, I said, Lord, I need a new dream. So like Martin, didn't it? Martin Luther. I had a dream. I had a dream. You need to dream. God speaks to his people right through the New Testament, the Old Testament, through dreams, directing us. This is what Mrs. A in the ability to see. I was playing Monopoly. That's probably not a good thing because my, my recollection of Monopoly as a kid was like this. It'd all start off happy and at the end the board would be thrown up in the air. We'd be punching each other. I never want to play with you again. So I had a dream about Monopoly. And I was sitting at the board, and there was another man sitting on the you know the rich section, is it Mayfair, Park Lane, Oxford, the green and the blue. That's where we all wanna live. In Hallelujah land not on Bond Street, (laughs) so he's sitting on that corner and I see him begin to get houses and hotels, whatever they are, and he's stacking them all up on these properties and I'm thinking to myself in this dream, oh no, I know what that means, I'm going to land on them and he's going to make me go broke. I'm thinking, that's it, it's all over. You know the feeling you get when you play Monopoly and all these motels and hotels go up and you're thinking, it's all over. It's, all over. it's only a matter of chance, I'm going to land it, it's finished. And it's never a good feeling to be wiped out, is it? And so he's, he's rejoicing over all these hotels and, and I hear this voice in the game say, they're not his, he doesn't own the land. And I'm there with my cards, but they're not shuffled. They're they're just given to me, but I haven't even looked at them. And I hear the voice say, look at your cards. And I begin to, you know, I'm clumsy and I'm, oh, that one's blue, like a dark blue. I could see dark blue and dark green. I couldn't see the names, but I could see all the colours. And it wasn't just one blue. There were uh, the whole set. Like the whole set had been dealt to me, the blues and the greens. There were no browns, no railway stations, Blue and green. And the man realized that he'd spent all this money building on land that he didn't own. And all of a sudden, it came across the board and all the hotels and the houses were taken off the board. And I realized that I owned the prime land on the board. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I began to see from that story that the enemy has deceived the church into believing that everything in this world belongs to him and that we're about to be taken out, that we're just imagining the worst. How do I survive this next round? How do I get to jail? It's a safe place to live, isn't it? I can keep my money in jail. It's just I don't want to roll a double six... I just want to, and that's how the church has lived. How do, how do we just get through this? And, and God's shown me, Andrew, I've reserved, this is not just me, this is the church, but I've reserved the best of the land in this city for you to live in. This They may have built on it and, and paid for a house, but they don't own the land because I made the land. See, one day I got a revelation that all the land that we, even on this ground, somebody's paid to build something on it, but they don't own the land. They paid paper for it but God owns the land yeah. Yeah. the earth is the Lord's he built it and so Satan has come and he's controlling a fallen world who in effect gave up their right to represent God on earth and we the products of the last Adam have been called to subdue and possess the land this is the anointing on Jacob this is about relationships and honouring, making him Lord of our life. This is about being trustworthy. Yeah? yeah? This is about those little decisions that we think are so insignificant, but they set us up for greatness. That little job, maybe earning $10 an hour, 100 bucks a week, that got me just enough through college and that. But those little decisions are setting me up to own tents. Those little decisions are setting me up for a profound encounters where God begins to open my eyes to strategies for success. And then I begin to build tent. We begin to possess the land. And my passion is this, that in this shaking, God's repositioning the church who understand the kingdom, who are unhooked from the world system to possess the land and bring his kingdom. I often use money as an example because it's such a practical thing. But just imagine if the church had all the money, had all the property, just imagine his kingdom come. Now That's not the only thing because we want his power, his love. Just imagine if the church hooked into the gifts of the spirit like because it's ours. Imagine if we were the ones that stood on TV and said, you know what, this is about to happen. I see into the future. The Joseph anointing that says we need to stop storing up because this is about to happen. Yeah. Just imagine if the church began to possess the kingdom. Unhooking from the world system and living in the kingdom of God. Yeah. This is what Isaac discovered. He became a water well. He learned to thrive in every circumstance. And because of that, his son Jacob became a prince with God, possessed the land. And that's for you today. So my challenge for you is unhook from the world system. Make it your goal that I am not going to be manipulated and controlled by the mindset of this world. That means decoupling, renewing your mind. It means taking up, making it your priority to take on the weapons of the spirit, the rest of the spirit. Provisions coming, sights coming, the water wells coming. You shall succeed.